empowered by the Constitution, strengthened by the Bill of Rights, the American citizen was bestowed with the power and responsibility of civic engagement. Today, your voice is needed now more than ever, yet barriers stand in the way. How to start, where to begin, it can be confusing and overwhelming. We're here to help you take that leap, breaking down those barriers, providing you with the tools and knowledge to take on civics undaunted. Hey everybody, it's Katie, the producer of Civics Undaunted, and I'm here today to introduce part two of the Gen Win Dotto episode. It's time to jump back in. So we've talked a lot about volunteer organizations, corporate work in this space. So I want to kind of zoom back out and look at, you know, when we're doing this work, when we're in the weeds, it can sometimes feel very much like a heavy lift and we're just always rolling the rock up the hill and in some ways a lot of times with this you're always pushed there's always another goal but how do you measure success when doing internal activism knowing that you know let's keep with the lens of DEI the work is never really done Mm -hmm. it's definitely important to understand what your organization's drivers are like especially for DEI I've seen it measured in so many different ways and I've been flexible with the different teams I've worked with to be able to measure it differently, but also benchmark each other, uh, the different drivers, so that we can align where necessary, have like the same measures across the board. And it's also being able to know when to take a tactical pause to reassess your goals or reassess your strategy, too, because especially if you're trying to do internal activism in a space where the metrics are changing or the priorities are changing it's okay to take a tactical pause and like, okay, like what are the new goals? Um, And be ready to challenge if they're changing too much, because if the target's always changing, we're never going to be successful. So having that relationship with your stakeholders to talk about like what those drivers are, what type of success do we want to see? Are these, it's back to smart goals. Like, are they measurable and time sensitive, accurate? I can't remember the full acronym right now, but definitely just making sure that they're measurable where possible. I'm a fan of when organizations have a way to measure organizational effectiveness, whether it's through surveys or through different tools that the organization might have, because then you can say, all right, today, this is what the measure is. In one year, are we the same? Are we different? Uh, Did we do better? Because then you can actually say, and that's especially what I encourage when we do do DEI work and try to measure because we want to put numbers where possible, but also measure it through actionable ways. Perfect. With that and knowing that you need to have everything, you know, attainable and, and focused, how do you achieve that? Success. How do you start to, to knock down those KPIs, start to crush those smart goals? Mm-hmm. I bring back again relationships because it factors in into 
having a good team behind you, like I know for sure everything I do is not possible without a great team behind me. And I always go back to this image when you think of leadership of it's not being a boss. It's not ordering people around to do this or do that. It's like being on treating everyone like they're in the same level or that we're all doing this together. Like we say, let's go instead of go do this. So that is, Mm. that is key. I think for achieving success because like employee resource groups, DEI committees, like all that stuff I do at work, it was employee driven. And that's why we were successful because we all intrinsically wanted to make that change, that passion, interest and shared goal. Like that's what kept us going. And same with Delta Sigma Pi. Like I mentioned earlier, like we're not paid to do the work that we do for Delta Sigma Pi, but we all align to do it and we're successful because when we can collaborate and do things together and set aside our differences, like we can make a lot of great change. And what I mentioned earlier too about having a good relationship with your stakeholders is also key because you want to have an open, communicative, collaborative type of relationship with them so that if there's something that needs to change, it's not like a, it's not a contentious conversation or no one's scared to go to the stakeholder or leadership leader to make, have them vouch for your group or have them uh, help along the way. You've touched so many times on a couple of consistent themes, one being relationship building and one being that the success or when you've seen change happen, it was driven from the people themselves. And I think that ties in so strongly with the work that we are doing and the fact that civic engagement is engaging with your community and that it's the voices of those communities that really are the way you achieve any sort of success and create the measurements for success too, right? It's all from the people themselves. So I just, I love how consistently that's come up in, in everything you've responded to. People are powerful. Like, I think that's the message. Like, People and passion, actually, if we want to take it a step further, people, passionate people are powerful. Mm-hmm. That they are indeed, my friend. So speaking of passion and power, one, one of the frameworks that I think is worth talking about is how power and influence can come into play when doing this work. And... I don't mean power and influence so much as from a like authority leader type power and influence, but more from the social capital. You need that power and influence in order to enact change. You know, one lone voice themselves probably can't get it done. You know, think of all the great figures of history. None of them did it alone. They just might have been the visible leader. So how does that come into play when doing internal activism work and achieving the goals that you set out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And power and influence, like, it's like, whoa, for a second, sometimes it's like, it kind of sounds negative, but it is a natural social science to work with social capital. And 
through developing natural and lasting relationships, I'm going to hit on that again. <laughs> I'm a broken record. Um, we can use that to make that difference. And I know we're pulling away from titles and authority, but they do have importance when we're trying to enact change because those people, if those people who have authority or a title are aligned on that change, they can use their social capital to get things moving faster, get the right resources that you need to make the change happen. And it's really important to make sure that having that positive reputation that I've talked about before, it can make a world of a difference. Like, and it comes to day-to-day things just as like doing what you'll say you do, being on time, having accurate data, like things that you can do in your day-to-day to build your reputation, uh, make a world of a difference or that someone who puts in the time and that they're dedicated, like all of those little things can add up. And especially like if you upset someone, naturally they're less likely to help you if your name pops up again in happenstance. Like it just, it's a natural social thing that happens. And when I think back to on like, when looking at Bowman and Deal's framework and we were studying like, yeah, you got to look at the organization from political lands. I'm like, well, that kind of sounds like a lot of power influence. What if I don't play into the politics? But politics doesn't have to be bad in an organization. It's understanding how the people around you can help meet a mutual goal or um, understanding that if, even if there are different agendas and priorities and they actually might align more than we think. So mm-hmm. uh, when we all want the same outcome and goal and have different ways to do it, none are wrong, but we can be more communicative and open and allowing those new perspectives in the room. And it's there's power and influence when like someone in a position of authority or leadership brings in someone new saying, hey, this person has a great idea. Let's have them talk about it. And like that can make a world of a difference to bring a new perspective in the room and say, ah, oh, I didn't think of it that way. So we can use power and influence to make a difference because if someone with more experience brings in someone and says, I think this is a good idea too, maybe stuff will get approved. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to add on to that in terms of your internal politics commentary is I think there was a human element to the fact that everybody wants to be part of the change. So they don't want to be left out. It's, so it's really sometimes as simple as they just want to know what's going on so they can be part of it. Um, when it comes to navigating the internal politics of an organization. Mm-hmm. And it's why when I think of transparency too, it's just as simple as remembering to communicate what's going on because so the people who are working on the change sometimes are so into it. They know everything that's going on, but they've not brought it up to the larger general body. And um, it happens a lot. I've seen it happen a lot in many of the different organizations I've worked with. And it's not a fatal flaw. It's just remember like, okay, have we communicated this out? Do we have the mechanisms or places to be able to share like, okay, here's what's going on this month. Here's what's going on next month. Mm -hmm. Here's the overall strategy. If you want to help, let us know. If not, you've been given the information. Yes. 
I can personally attest to the importance of having, like, you can make all those plans that you just highlighted, the calendar, the timelines, all that stuff. Make sure it gets delivered to who it needs to be delivered to. Because I definitely have come in and been like, everybody's done a lot of planning. I don't know what's going on. And I feel like I should have been told. Because <laughs> I would like to help. <laughs> I, the irony is we can be so into the planning, you don't know. It happened with my wedding planning. I'm not even going to lie. So, <laughs> <laughs> Going through that process myself now, I can understand. Mm-hmm. So who can perform this type of work? So honestly, anyone with a desire to make a difference and put in the dedicated time to learn, grow, and trust the process can be an internal activist. It does take time to get the right background, do some self-education if needed, prepare, and get the necessary feedback before making it happen. There's a lot of patience, time, and dedication invested in the process, but if you're open to trust that process and learn along the way, be ready to get feedback, good and bad, like, it can be done by those who are ready to go through that. And when you're ready to go through that, there are two things you need. We've highlighted one very strongly in terms of relationships. And then what you also need is a tool set, which you just touched on a little bit with the self-education. So building relationship versus building a tool set how are they different? How do they interplay? What's your experience doing that? Yeah, so I think building relationships and building a tool set to drive change both go hand in hand. I don't think I could do what I do at work or DSP for organizational change without the years of relationships I've built along the way. So we've touched on that. And for DSP specifically, or Delta Sigma Pi specifically, it's weird to think the people that I work with, I've known for almost 10 years now, including you. <laughs> and there's a lot of personal fraternal memories that come with that, especially since in the national board role, I traveled around the country to get even more perspectives and maintain those relationships and friendships. It's work to maintain, absolutely. But it's grown my leadership experience, and I've taken the nuggets to build that toolbox. Because between my leadership experiences across my career and my volunteer work, I've also gotten technical learnings from being a supply chain professional for trainings I've taken, formal coursework now, especially with the dual degree and MBA and MS in organizational psychology. Like it's building, it's taking the initiative to also continue to learn along the way and add to your well-rounded toolbox to go about things. The biggest tool I think is just being adaptable to different working styles that one will face over time. One example I have is that I still remember that while I was serving two years on the board of directors for Delta Sigma Pi, I was also in a two-year rotational program at work. And I, when I reflect on those two years, there were a lot of times where there was a cross-sections of learnings that helped each other. So for example, uh, during the rotation program, I gained a lot of analytical, technical supply chain skills that made me a stronger like procurement, sourcing, all the things I was doing at my job. And it applied to be to me being a stronger leader in Delta Sigma Pi because I was being more analytical and technical when having conversations, uh, looking at costs, looking at budget in that board role. Meanwhile, when I took board trainings on leadership and diverse working styles, 
I applied those as I rotated through four different teams over two years to drive change management, work on different projects. And along because I was successful in those projects, they helped build lasting relationships and a positive reputation for being a change maker at my company. And it's now six years since I started working there. It all connects. So it's not just being the social butterfly and having those good relationships, but it's also having the skill building on the side, the technical, if needed, like experience to gain that reputation, to show that you know what you're doing. And I'm very grateful that both my career and volunteer leadership opportunities have meshed very well together in that way. And that icing on top is just now having master's degree coursework that I'll be finishing in the next couple of years to continue that education. We're never done learning. So always continue that forward. (laughs) Amen to that. I think what you just stated really encapsulates the fact that there is no life experience that isn't valuable and that you can't then take forward to something else in your life. And for everyone listening, I just want to hammer home that if even if you feel that you are not ready, have the courage to get involved because it will teach you something that can make you better and will definitely bring success in the long term to whatever kind of change you're trying to make within your communities. It's even better when it's something you're passionate about because then you're just, you're having fun with it and you're still learning and gaining experience. So if you have any cause you're, you care about, you can go out and like be around it. Everything from just, if you love dogs, find some dog related things in your area to get involved in. And like, I know, for example, in my area, we have something called Paws in the Park. Like that's an organization, that's an event mm-hmm. uh, where they have an organization, volunteer organization that puts on that event every year. You can volunteer with them. Like it's amazing what you can find out about simple interests, passions, things you like. Shoot, I love food. Well, yeah. I was just I was just going to touch on the fact that you're a foodie, and so you've started yelping, and maybe we should take a couple minutes to discuss how you have taken your just, I'm assuming, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, that it started with just the standard you wanted to Yelp review your food experience, and now you're using it to promote local businesses of people in your community rather than just chains and trying to highlight everything. So so tell me a little bit about that whole experience. Yeah. So Yelp is really fun. If you love food, we can talk. (laughs) um, I can tell you more about how to get into the Yelp program. And it's a community of people who really just want to support. It's not even just food. Like you can write a Yelp review about like going to your local stop and shop, just because you like that location. Why do you like that location? Or uh, going to your farmer's market and you want to write a review about that farmer's market. Like there's so many things you can promote. And I've 
gained this philosophy that if I really enjoy an experience and it's a local business, I always want to leave a review because that's the least I can do after having that experience. And I don't typically actually leave a lot of bad reviews because if I didn't like the experience, I won't tear down the business. I want to promote it. I We have events in the Yelp Elite community that are like helping to promote a business who wants to uh, continue and grow in the area. I've learned about so many different businesses from fellow people and I go out and try them and it's like there's that assumption that you need to spend a ton of money and eat out all the time to be involved in this but no it's just like supporting it going to an event and like just kind of spreading the positive message and I've know of people who are like oh I never heard of this place let's go try it and people will try it after that it's creating positive local economic growth for the businesses around us and um even that's something that I think most people can get behind small things that end up becoming something bigger because I love the Yelp elite community here and I've met a lot of people that do really cool interesting things that they also benefit their community from and like uh, you don't have to be a full-on influencer to do it, but you can do it in your own way. You don't have to be a full-on influencer, but everything... I mean, right. like, social media influencer. Like, you don't have to be, like, tied to your Instagram all the time. Like, you just... It's even just taking the time to, like, say, oh, I really like this business. Let me leave a few paragraphs about why I liked it, and that helps them in the right. long you run. You don't have to be a full-on influencer, everything you do has influence. I think that's a really great way to frame it. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing a little bit about the Yelp Elite. I had never heard of that program, so I think it's very much cool to promote local in that way. Looking back as we begin to wrap things up here, you know, long-term vision what is it and how do we know that we're doing the right thing when doing the internal or intra-organizational work? It's about continuing to ask for feedback and measuring it. Like we talked a little earlier about measuring it, but that's why I'm a proponent of those organizational surveys and giving people the opportunity to speak up if there is something they want to change because there's no way to know you're doing the right thing if you're not asking and organizations that have been successful in addressing things that need to change have it because they've asked and the org there's that i i love my master's degree because there's so much organizational and social science behind how these surveys and inventories and getting feedback can be done. So if there's science behind it, like it should help us in some way. We have to give ways for people to feel like they've contributed or provided feedback as you've touched on earlier too. And it's even beyond making people feel like they've contributed. Let's make sure we listen intently and act on the changes. Like when designing a survey in the past, like I've put in fields where yes, rate the organization from one to seven. So that's your quantitative measure but I also want the qualitative of okay tell me what actions would you like to see list your top five actions that you want to see from 
this organization to make you feel like we can improve that score. So people were actually contributing things of like what they want to see and anonymous or not anonymous doesn't matter. Like as long as people are actually giving inputs and then when we got the results, we analyzed everything to say like, oh, are there common themes? Did, did the same action show up like in the majority? Are these things that our group addresses or is it something bigger than us? Like, um, do we need a consultant to come in or do we need to go to a different group to like get that to happen? So the more information you can get from the people, the more empowered we can be. And then they're empowered too, because then they know people are listening. The people will tell you if you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Yes, they will. Mm -hmm. And when you design your goals and vision around what the organization is telling you, you're we're going to be more greatly and mutually uh, benefiting from it. So with everything that you do and you are working on something every day that I've known you, what gives you the motivation to keep going? I've always gravitated around this personal model of being an opportunity enthusiast. It started because I was told when I was 11, you need a full scholarship or else you're not going to college. Like I come from first generation. My parents are refugees and immigrants and I'm the first one who went to a four-year college. So the first generation college student and me needing a scholarship, uh, like, looked at opportunity enthusiast as I want to make myself better and find opportunities wherever possible over time. And once I achieved that goal, it grew into me wanting to share those opportunities with others because I know other people need it too. I'm not the only first gen college student with refugee parents. And mm -hmm. like, I want to share those opportunities and be enthusiastic about them with other and share with others. Today and as a leader, it means I want to make organizations and the people around me better wherever possible. Processes, people, personal growth, those ways I can help others keeps me going because I do a lot and maybe more than I should because I clearly don't have enough things to do. But, um, but if I can make a difference in someone and it creates that trickle effect, it's all worth it. And that's the difference I want to make in this world, my nation my community and day to day. It's freaking beautiful. Thank you so much. And last question, what's one thing a listener could do today to begin advocating for change within their organization? No person is too small to make a change. And while I prepared for this episode with you and reflecting on all the things I've done in my career, volunteering, leading, it holds true that sometimes it just starts with asking the questions, discovering the opportunities, finding out how to change it, and then bringing letters on for the ride. I got so passionate about it that I ended up studying it as part of my master's degree. So I can't change the world on my own, but I can hopefully help someone else join me in that journey for those causes that I care about, that they care about, to make the communities, organizations we work with and work for better and so that the people around us can have the best experience possible working with those organizations so if you have an idea just share it with someone that's the first step it's not too small you never know it could be something so much bigger and better and we want to be the change we want to see in the world well you heard it here first if you have an idea share it jen thank you so much for taking time to 
talk with me, answer all these questions, really share an important aspect of civic engagement, and good luck with finishing out your master's degree. Thank you for having me, and this was a lot of fun. So also, before we stop listening, just make sure you're supporting the Civics Institute too. Thank you so much, Jen. Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, can you please head on over to podchaser.com and leave a rating or review? These ratings make a big difference and really help get our podcast noticed. So it would be much appreciated if you could go on over there. Civics Undaunted is a production of the Civics Institute and it is produced and edited by Katie Kacharski. Please visit www.thecivicsinstitute.com to learn more. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.